Hi, my name is Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today I'm really excited to be talking about the wonderful animated series Mulligan. We are joined today by co-creator and co-showrunner Robert Carlock, co-creator and co-showrunner Sam Means, as well as supervising director Colin Heck. And and kind of for all three of you, in terms of the the development stage, I wanted to start by by talking a little bit about how you found the element of how far you could push a lot of the narrative elements comedically in this show early on, because you're literally setting up a, a series where the very first thing that we see as a thwarted alien invasion. And so that creatively takes us to quite a heightened space, um, which gives you a lot of freedom to play the rest of the series. And yet you still always ground it back to the central characters. And so as you were developing the narrative arc of the first season, I was interested in how you found that line of how far you wanted to carry the creative elements and the more heightened aspects and where it felt important to still always draw it back to the central core of its characters. What a great, thoughtful question. yeah, that's the, the the kind of central tension of of the thing creatively, right, Sam? Um, sure. You know, we've always written, even when the stakes aren't the end of the world, we've kind of always written comedically heightened uh, stories and and characters. But the and this is something that Tina Fey, and we as a producer on this as well, is always drilling into us is it has to start in a real place or end in a real place, um, if not both. Uh, and so we just always started the, the storytelling process with what are, what are the, what are the people thinking about right now? Um, wh- what are they feeling? How are they, how are they interacting rather than starting with what, what does this premise necessarily give us? If that makes any sense, we keep talking about it as an office comedy. That was a way that we just reminded ourselves, this is about these people. And sometimes things are exploding and and there's no electricity and and there are zoo animals running around and uh but a lot of the time they're in rooms talking to each other uh and that was kind of the the touchstone sam please yeah we we wanted to embrace the possibility of animation which is you know part of why we're starting off with with the big action sequence but ultimately it's about what happens between the characters and you know for story and for comedy ultimately and we just want to set that in a you know, in the most fun world we could and where anything can happen because it's animation and there are aliens and there are space battles. But it's still the kind of comedy, I think, that we've always, always written, ultimately. I love that, you know, and, and for you, Colin, um, how does that really open up a lot of the the visual space for you as well? Because obviously it's not something where, okay, if we're going to blow up this building or we're going to have 10 more aliens in this scene, that all of a sudden that's a $10 million budget decision. You know, it's the world of animation, you know, obviously still takes more time and, and more work for the animated team. Um, but how did that open up a lot of the ideas that you wanted to come to the table with creatively in terms of the visuals? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish every every adjustment resulted in us getting 10 million more dollars but um the 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 tension that they're talking about uh meant that we had a lot of like a lot of contrast to play like a lot of big world destroying stuff while honing in on the comedy of what maddie thinks about the national treasure and like what these like minutia things are and finding we honestly spent more time uh, dealing with those, the finding the comedy in the staging and the like very specific acting than we did on the, the you know, world destroying stuff. We tried to stay t- true to the world destroying stuff and we tried to pepper that in as much as we could. But the heart of the show is 
the characters interacting with this stuff in what is, you know, the audience knows is a very heightened situation, but Maddie being silly in, in the Oval Office is, and it was a lot of what we spent our time honing. And then when you bring a six armed, six limbed alien into it, and then just make him feel like he's part of this regular cast that like, how do we do that? Do we, do we just like drop him in there and then pretend like everything's fine? Or do we have to explore that? And we ended up finding, I think, a really good balance of of making specifically that alien feel like he was part of the cast uh, once you get to the some of the later episodes. But um, but I will say that that most of our effort was spent staging and editing and and honing in on what the interpersonal comedy was rather than uh, like. I hate to like I don't want to be flippant about it. The the world destroying stuff was difficult, but the that stuff kind of in a sense took care of itself. Like, yes, big space battle. We know what that is. Let's find out what's super funny about all this. And I, I love that point as well about, you know, if we bring in a, a six-legged alien creature and and make it feel like a central part of the ensemble, what does that do? Because when you step back and you look at all these characters, in essence, they all really just want people to see them and to be appreciated in the world. And that's the thing that connects, that's the connective tissue with all of them. Um, and so did you talk specifically about how you wanted to have this linear thread of the wants and needs of all of the characters? Because then there's also a humor in the fact that they all have the ability to provide that for each other, but they're so focused on themselves that they don't manage to as well. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, one of the central themes, the central theme, right, is can we do it better? Uh, and by that, we don't, we we do tell stories about, oh, are we going to get rid of fossil fuels? Because we don't have the infrastructure anymore. So are we going to do it? And some people want to, you know, have different points of view uh, about that. But the can we do it better really it was about, can we treat each other <laughs> better? Um, can we, you know, there's that Dr. Braun joke of, Maybe, you know, we'll finally have um, equal pay for women. Everyone just laughs. So it's like, still, we're still, we're still going to, going to, going to play this, this card. Um, so uh, yeah, that was, that was always the way to ground it. And that did tell us a lot visually. Unfortunately, it made Colin's life really difficult because we were playing subtle interior things for people where they're not always, there's some subtext, there's motivations that people aren't necessarily um, saying. And, and so you're going, ah, that's, what if we raise his eyebrow another yeah. pixel? You know, it, it really was those kinds of conversations. And when we started, Colin, to his benefit and, and ultimate detriment, was like, oh, boy, I went back and watched what you guys have done. Um, he was a huge fan to begin with, of course. And he was like, boy, you're in coverage a lot. That's where your comedy plays. It doesn't play with the characters standing, uh, you know, in a, in a line, like uh, you can get away with a lot in animation. We're like, yeah, that's kind of what we want to do. We want to go over shoulders. We want to see faces. We want to do movie coverage. Sorry. Um, and that it's, you know, we didn't appreciate how hard it is and we didn't have to do it. So, Yeah. And for those who don't know this, uh, Robert and I had never done animation before. Uh, and we have this amazing cast on the show, but we're used to letting those actors act and find the small the small little things that actors do on their faces that tell you so much and on this show we had to figure out how to tell people to draw those things which is a very different thing and yeah it'd be funny to go right Colin you'd, you'd get like oh that's an that alien planet looks amazing and the mountains are changing shape and it's funny and then cool to look at and then you look at another scene where two people are just talking to you and they're like that's not what human sadness looks like <laughs> uh how do we how do you tell someone 
what human sadness looks like, but sadness combined with regret, you know, like uh, I found it a fun puzzle. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was a puzzle. Yeah. Agreed with all of it. Uh, I, like, yes, I, I was a huge fan of their work beforehand. Robert's not being sarcastic about that. Um, the, the show is complex in a lot of ways that are, that in a way I'm, I'm really grateful that we got the opportunity to do because it like, you don't normally get to, to zoom out this far on an animated show like this. Maybe you shouldn't, but uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 uh, you know, the, the stuff that we got to do with, um, you know, go, going to different alien planets and, and exploring what Washington DC looked like after an alien invasion, what, what it meant to have the world blow up and then have these dummies living in it and tracking what they wanted as you were talking about throughout the series and like seeing uh communicating how braun like dr braun would um like what she wants and how she goes about getting it and whether she gets it by the end of the series uh and servicing all those fantastic actors reads with our with the acting um normally on most shows i think they would do it with a more limited range of of acting like i worked on family guy and the seth MacFarlane shows a fair amount and those are very like typically limited you kind of do a certain amount of poses and it works really well for that humor this was more nuanced and more complex on every level we didn't we had to like play a lot of reactions during lines which is like sounds simple when i say it but in editing it was very like very complicated to get it exactly right and a lot of times I feel like we got there and I, I'm really, I was watching it last night. I'm really happy with how it paced out. Um, yeah. And Mara, you were, you were asking to me you know, about how much did we talk about and think about these arcs for the people. And it was a lot uh, because we knew that that would affect, well, we know we're, we're what, as Colin was saying, what Braun wants or what Cartwright Lamar, the, the, the old, the old kind of um, uh, retrograde Senator wants he wants to go back in time um uh and, and so that does affect every scene writing wise but also every scene in terms of of the execution on uh camera because yeah um knowing that allows us to say well he can't just be happy <laughs> uh, he's pretending to be happy how do you draw pretending to be happy a simpler way to say what I was saying before is that there's a lot of continuity in this show on every level, like emotionally, humor wise, like comedically. And that it as you go through the episodes, you you will see these characters evolve and their wants evolve and their even just how they respond to things evolve in a way that you wouldn't see on other shows that I've worked on. Like you don't it doesn't reset at the end of an episode. You carry all that stuff forward and it ends up building like there's some jokes in episode 10 that are builds off stuff that we set up in episode one uh and when they hit i think they hit really well i think i think that's such a great point in terms of as you go through the season the fact that these characters do evolve because that doesn't always have to be true within the animated medium you can always reset because you can always keep your characters at the same place in life for however many years you want to and within that we get to see the characters go through certain cyclical elements and we get to see them repeat certain patterns and and certain behaviors but then we also see them grow and evolve and so 
as you would create each of the storylines for all of these characters, how would you find those lines and balances of, okay, how much do we want Maddie to evolve as a character? Because you also never want to fully solve him as a character because then there's nowhere to go. Very true. And and just on uh, to, to speak to the continuity of it, I, I think Colin wistfully talked about an episode of The Simpsons where in the cold open, Homer was like gutted by a Wolverine. <laughs> And then in the rest of the episode, he's fine. He's just moving on. We we weren't allowed, we didn't allow ourselves to do things like that. Yeah, we, we did take a little advantage. Like Maddie falls down a lot of stairs without oh, sure. yeah. but, but, uh, <laughs> but But yeah, sorry, hey Sam, go ahead. Uh, you, you, no, but I but uh, to the overall point, we do like to think that everything that happens in the show affects the characters and there is a build to everything that happened, like, like you guys were saying. Uh, and in terms of the stasis of it, that's a great question. And that's something we we dealt with throughout because Maddie always has to be Maddie. He always has to be a, a confident dummy. And he can go down paths. He can learn. We want him to keep learning and keep growing as a person without getting away from the character. And, and yeah, I, there, I don't have a, a clear answer except to say that that's something that we constantly kept in mind. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you you know, we, I think we brought from live action where the balance is always, you know, you want to do 100 episodes. You want people to to, you know... Larry David, of course, bucked this famously, but you want people to learn and 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 grow, but you can't, as you said, Mara, have the characters be completely different by you know uh, by episode fifty, and then then what are you doing? It's a different show. Um, so the elasticity of of uh, animation was kind of nice because you, you it does let you what we don't we don't we don't do full resets, but I think you do forgive. The kind of oh he didn't he didn't really learn that lesson did he which I think real people do all the time as well. I, I feel like Braun never forgets. Maddie forgets. Braun is playing a long game. <laughs> she's gonna lose, but she's playing a long. Game. And even with the fact that it was just brought up about how often Maddie falls down down steps, I think that that's a great example of of kind of the very specific thought behind a lot of the pacing and the rhythm of the the comedy in the show as well. You know, the, there's a moment early on where he falls down a set of stairs, and it's it kind of keeps getting played. We keep hearing the sound of it happening off screen because there's more that you can add the more times we hear that sound effect, and so you know thought has gone into well, is it funnier if we hear it two times or three times or four times? Um, and so particularly when you're working with animation where you know that anytime you make adjustments, it's not just the case of, you know, allowing the cast to improv it, you know, everyone has to go and reanimate something. If you hold a beat a little bit longer, even if you speed up the pacing of comedy within a scene, how would you kind of play around with those rhythms and, and that pacing to really find the right comedic sensibility for each moment? Well, we spent a lot of time and Colin would tell you, he told us the other day too much time, but in, in the sound edit, trying to understand new to this we're, we're like okay if we get this timed right everything else will be easy everything else there <laughs> um right sam i mean it was really yeah, absolutely the takes that we wanted and the timing that we wanted and and um uh and to the mo for the most part you know we didn't that we stayed true to that like the shows didn't con just cocked his head as if i'm forgetting a significant part of our experience <laughs> I was listening. But they do, you know, uh, they, they do the, the thumbnails and the storyboards off of the, the radio play, which is the sound of everything. And so we really, you know, both to make try and make everyone's lives easier and failed repeatedly at that. But and, and to just get things right, we really tried to make the radio play a, you know, true to its name, a radio play that all was exactly timed out 
the way we wanted, both for comedy and for storytelling, and even, you know, leaving the right amount of time, the right pause, the right sound effects at that stage, even though that wasn't strictly necessary, just so we gave ourselves the best chance to tell the story. This is a specific answer to a general question, but the in that specific thing that you're talking about, Maddie's off screen for most of it. And so fortunately there, we didn't have to affect animation. We just messed with it for hours until we're like three bumps. Mm, I think five bumps. Uh, let's go. Let's break it. Let's see how far it goes until it breaks. And then we'll pull there was it a, a lot of that. Right. In, in sound, at least of like, how when does it break? Uh, and then we'll just back up from there. There was a lot of, of that. Yeah. And in working with the cast as well, obviously they're all coming into a completely new world and, and there's so much world building that goes into animation. And so how extensive were the materials or what were the tools that you were giving to the cast to really understand, not even just visually, here's what your character is going to look like, but here's the world that they're going to be moving and existing within so that you can really understand that that setting and that place as well for your performance. Well, that was an interesting level of it. I, I wish we could have given a lot more, but you know, we started uh, recording with, without, with, with very little, honestly, in the way of uh, visuals or tests or anything like that. And uh, I'm really, it's all the more impressive what this cast did and how fully they built these characters because it all starts with those voices and those sound edits without see, without anything to see. They were in a booth right. looking at us. They were doing, you know, this on Zoom, especially because it was, you know, the height of COVID uh, when we were we were starting all this and Robert and I are in New York and much of the cast was in LA. So it was really uh, as, you know, siloed as as you can imagine for an actor and it's a, a, an incredible feat for all of them to to be able to build these characters in such three dimensions yeah. without the things you're talking about. All right, I mean, I think we would get on the phone with people and, you know, so, so some of the you know, more named people we were pitching and 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 um, but uh, but with everyone um, and sort of say, this is what we were thinking. This is who this person is. Um, and then they'd come in with with choices. And we, I mean, that was right, Kyle. That was a long time in those first edits. Oh, yeah. First, excuse me, first records to um, say, I oh, I think, I think Cartwright's voice is deeper because Dana, of course, can give you anything. Um, and uh, or or Axitrax too with Phil. Um, what does an alien sound like? Could be anything, uh, yeah. and he can do anything <laughs> vocally. I uh, and uh, yeah, it's well, and how how Boston is Maddie was definitely a how, big right. How Boston is Maddie? He's I think Nat sent us, you know, five different levels of Boston <laughs> at one point, right? And 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 he's uh, from Manchester by the sea. Yeah. He's familiar with intimately familiar with all of those levels. Yeah, of, I think we chose not the highest level of Boston, but maybe the second highest level of Boston. Maybe it's well, yeah. Yeah. A higher level than we expected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, it, it was tricky, but they were just, they're so skilled and so collaborative. And, and yeah, you know, Tina does Grimes, the, that kind of weirdo. Uh, who, it was seven second season where we learned she was president of Dasani. Um, no, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, in, that's in one of that's in Andy Samberg's episode. Yeah. Yeah. And we we're just like, well, what is she, it's just a silly voice. Maddie and Lucy. Uh, you know, what if she has a lisp? And then Tina does something funny. Uh, it's good to have funny people. But I would say, too, that this isn't your question, but working with actors in that way, which was pretty new. I mean, I've been in record booths before, but doing just that for the actors is a really, when it's not their face and it's not them getting up at six in the morning to get picked up and get in makeup for two hours and all that stuff, there's just a different level of 
uh, of, of what the interaction is. And, and uh, not that any of those people uh, that I, we've worked with before when we've done live action with them can be like this, but you just you layer on stuff that can create insecurity or can create more questions or why am I, I don't want to wear this, you know, but you got to for the joke, you know, uh, there's a lot taking that, stripping that away um, uh, was really kind of, was cool. Just yeah. a little more, a little more freedom to, to people just felt a little freer to explore. I, don't know. I, lo- I love that, you know, and, and because you've all touched a little bit as well on on the aspects of the, the world destruction that goes on as well. It's something that isn't just the visual aspect. It's not just what does it look like if the White House has come under attack and half the window and the Oval Office is missing. It's also how does this inform the narrative structure? You know, what does it mean if there's only about a thousand people left on Earth and no one has modern forms of communication and there's more women than men suddenly? So the men all of a sudden have this different power balance and behave in different ways. Um, and so how did you find the answer to, especially at the beginning, know how knowing how much every choice you made on how much to destroy the world would influence the entire narrative structure moving forward. How did you find the line of how much can we, or how much do we want to destroy the world in this world? Well, it was a continuing process, which yeah. I think was pretty fun to constrict ourselves in various ways that we discovered were constrictions later or to, you know, open things up. And uh, this is to the previous point, but with, uh, with Grimes, with that Tina character, one of the things we were excited about with animation was, was finding those things as we went and so Tina did a funny voice. We liked that. Okay, that's that's a character in the show now. We're going to write stuff to her. And, you know, if we, or the artists, you know, even just as part of that process, created some piece of destruction, then that was part of the set, as it were. And that was a new toy to play with going forward. And there was a real, you know, a push and pull with that that stuff that I think was very rewarding. Yeah, it's uh, another, again, a great question that the kind of stuff we spent a lot of time talking about and and uh colin is such a great creative partner but also at least tried to tell us <laughs> what kind of corners we were painting ourselves into on on like a really important animation specific level you were talking about the crowds and you're talking about the the makeup of of this the crowds that were a a, a presence in this show and early on we we're like oh no the crowds can't be like mixed even male female like we, the crowds have to be balanced more we have to see more of females in the crowd than males and like a lot of going back into to redo the mix of crowds and who was like how destroyed were their clothes um like are they destitute or are they just amusingly ragged um like we had a lot of conversations about it and i think we landed on mostly amusingly ragged uh i think (laughs) once when it became like other than the guy whose butt is shot off uh (laughs) Other than that, everybody was like, like if it got too serious, it just got, you know, unfunny to me at least. Um, so we ended up going on kind of the silly side of like, oh, they're dirty and their clothes are torn, but not like the the nuts and bolts of what it would be like for these people to live without running water. And that's that's one animation continuity thing that that we definitely held to was was uh, outfits in general. Some of the main characters change outfits sometimes, but. Everyone else is pretty much wearing the same thing <laughs> in every episode. Well, it's it's so wonderful to hear all these details. I feel like the the passion and the excitement that you have and the way that you talk about it really comes through in the experience of watching the show as well. So congratulations on everything with the season. And thank you so much. Thank you, Mara. Thank you. It was a pleasure.